I'm Dr. Sheldon L. Akins from the Leading Equity Podcast and a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Coming up on episode 61 of Podcast PD, we are recording live at EdCamp, New Jersey, 2019. And we have no idea what's going to happen. This is Podcast PD, the show that provides you with anytime, anywhere professional development. Our conversations and guests will provide you with the learning you might get in a faculty meeting or on a PD day. Except you're going to have more fun with AJ Bianco, Stacey Lindis, and me, Chris Nessie. Let's start the show. All right, so we're here at EdCamp New Jersey. My name is Chris Nessie, at Mr. Nessie on Twitter. And as AJ just said, we are here at EdCamp New Jersey. Live. We're live. Live. Live, live, live. And I'm joined, as always, by my podcast compadre, Stacey Lindis and AJ Bianco. Stacey, happy EdCamp. Happy EdCamp, Chris. It's like, it's like Christmas for teachers. I, I said that to Joe when we got here this morning. It's like yeah. PD Christmas. It's like it's like the pre-Thanksgiving plate. Yes. <laughs> Whatever. It's so all the holidays, AJ. All the holidays. Do you want to throw in Hanukkah in New Year? Hanukkah, Yom Kippur. Absolutely. Do it all. That's why we don't touch religion, but yeah. okay. <laughs> AJ, how are you? Doing wonderfully. This is a great way. We have people here. Don't, the, the clapping makes it sound like there's more, but there's like 106 people in this room. It, the room's packed. <laughs> see, they're standing outside the see, door the waiting thing. to get in here. There's a reason we don't do this live. So this is, Stacy is very like, I don't know what's going to happen right now. But live this is, is fun. Is there's a joy to doing something live. At least we're not streaming it, right? Do you want me to stream it? Good gravy now. No, Good. We're, we're, we don't want to stream it. We're good with that. I don't even have my sound clips. Ugh. I'm going to have to throw them in extra after the fact. Oh, look at all the things you're going to have to pull out and save for later. Yes. <laughs> So today we're talking to educators like Sandy, who is new to her role. And one of the things we started the session with before we hit record was to have um, our audience members kind of give us some ideas to talk about. And Sandy is new to her position this year, as AJ and I both are. And we thought that this would be a good conversation because I know many educators um, move around in positions, whether it be grade level, whether it be moving to the quote-unquote dark side, which I don't really like that, so I'm not sure why I said it. But we all make changes. Sometimes it's just a classroom change, and that's enough to throw your world into a headspin. So we're going to talk about it and some ways to get through it. That sounds like fun. And when we've also opened it up. We're going to have some other topics and questions that come up. But first, let's welcome back to the podcast. It's, I think it's been 365 days. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Welcome back, Sandy. Hello. Can you reintroduce yourself to the audience? Um, so my name is Sandy Hartman, and um, I am now a middle school tech integration slash digital media teacher. Um, so it's kind of a hybrid, um, being a tech coach, but not really, um, but being in the classroom, pushing in, pulling out, doing technology with um, the students' digital citizenship, which is a complete change from what I was doing before, which was business um, and family and consumer sciences. So at the high school level. level. So this is a huge drastic change, but I am loving every minute of it so far. Now you, you and I were talking before you had, I mean, you had to do the whole 60 day thing. So how did that impact you coming from one role to another role, new place? 
where I'm at now, the new, the new job, uh, there's a digital media class that normally runs for the eighth graders. And we can't run that because I wasn't there for them to put it on the elective schedule for the beginning of the year. So now I'm going to have to do that as a club after school. So that's like some logistics that we're trying to figure out wasn't budgeted um, that way. So yeah, those are some, some of the challenges that we're having right now is trying to figure that out. Can we take a quick circle back to what the 60 days means? Because not every school district has a 60-day contingency in their contract. And you made a big shift from one state to another. So you want to talk about that a little bit too? Yeah. So yeah, because I was in New Jersey and now I'm back in Pennsylvania where I started my my teaching career. My district has a contingency in their contract that if uh, you resign um, during the school year, that you have to give them like 60 days to find a replacement or they will freeze your contract, I believe, like freeze your certificate in the state. Plus, it's just not a good idea to burn those bridges. So so they held me for the 60 days. They literally hired someone and they came, they came and did two transition days my last two days there. Yeah, it was, it, they had a hard time finding. I was going to say, I imagine your content area is not one yeah. where there are, like fifth grade, where, you know, yeah, we're kind absolutely. of a dime a dozen. And then in addition to not uh, it being difficult business or family and consumer science, I'm dual certified. So finding someone who could fit both roles was impossible. They were only able to find somebody that taught business and not family and consumer sciences. So, yeah. What are you most excited about in this new role? I like that, like right now I'm doing digital citizenship with all of the sixth graders. So I'm going to get to know all the kids in the building, um, which I think is kind of cool. Being able to work with teachers, it's very strange going into another teacher's classroom. Like I've found that every single classroom is different. The teachers run it differently. Um, they interact with me differently. Some teachers just sit in the back and don't say anything and let me just do my thing. And then other teachers are constantly interjecting and and talking to me and talking to the students. So it's like a a big learning curve for me. How is it supposed to be run? So I asked because my room is also used for um, some special areas for health and world language. So at that time, I'm not the teacher in the classroom, although I do squat in my own room so I can get stuff done. But I, I, I had a conversation with those teachers and I asked them if they minded if I stayed and, they, you know, they were always very gracious and said, no, this is your room. And I said, really, right now for this 40 minutes, it is your room. And I can excuse myself. Just let me know what you want me to do. Is the expectation that they participate and learn with you? Or is the expectation that you're the teacher, you give the grades? Um, I think that for the digital citizenship, it's it's my class. Um, I'm teaching the content. I'm grading. Um, but then the, I give those grades to the teacher and they put it into their grade book. So I'm not putting grades in for those students. I'm just grading their work. Um, for the more integration side, it's more of a co-teach. I'm just there to kind of introduce the technology, help the teachers with the technology. In February, I'm going to be doing um, a wee video with um, the seventh graders. Um, they do like a wee video about famous historians or famous people in their history class. So I'm going to be facilitating the tech side of that. So they'll come to my room and and we'll use the computers in my room for that, even though we are Chromebook one to one. But I have a Mac lab. So what's the biggest goal you're setting for yourself to go throughout the rest of the school year? Well, I mean, right now I am book solid through March. So my hope is that I'm just always busy. I don't want to ever have downtime. Um, so that's like one of my goals. Um, I'm also supposed to be starting morning announcements, like a video show. So that's a goal. And then I decided that I wanted to try to do a girls who code, girls who game um, club as well. So those are kind of my goals. I have one more question for you. 
Sandy, what advice do you have for somebody who is going to change jobs, their role, district, state? What's your What's your big tip? I guess um, maybe think about what is it that you really want to do? Like last year, I did a lot of soul searching. I said to myself, I really like tech. I really want to go the tech way. And and I did some things. I did a lot of PD. I, I, I'm, I'm doing my master's in educational technology right now. When this position came about, I'm like, I'm going to I'm going to go for it. I didn't even think I was going to get it because I didn't have my master's yet. So I was, yeah, just kind of go for it. I like it. Well, congratulations on, on the new role. Thank you. And how can people connect with you? I have my Twitter handle is at um, short Sandy tech, but without the O Instagram, it's just short Sandy without the O. So those are probably the two ways you could get a hold of me. Thanks for coming back. I know. I love you guys. So it's good. <laughs> All right. All right. Take it away, AJ, and we'll get our next guest in. Did you know you can support Podcast PD as an executive producer? You can support us with a one-time donation or a recurring monthly basis. In addition to listening to the show, we'd like to show our appreciation with the following rewards if you support us for at least three months. For $3, you'll get a Podcast PD sticker. For $5, I will be happy to record your voicemail as Lego Batman. Or $10, you can get a Podcast PD t-shirt. Check it out, podcastpd.com slash executive producers for more information. Now, joining us here on the podcast, I feel like I have to be on my best behavior because he's kind of my boss. He's the supervisor of humanities here in New Brunswick Public Schools, 6 through 12. I'd like to welcome to Podcast PD, Dr. Lenox Smalls. Welcome to the show, doctor. Good morning. Thanks for having me. I had no idea how to be on a podcast until about 10 minutes ago. I listen to podcasts all the time. This is my first time ever being on a podcast. What is a podcast you listen to? Because we, we talk about that on the show as well. Primarily, M- NPR, I'm an NPR uh, junkie. Um, so I'd love to listen to their... What, what they We're in the choir. Here. So uh, usually, you know, I'm driving home and NPR keeps me company in traffic. <clears throat> or, or working out, too. I, I don't know if I could do NPR when I work out. Walking? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Not a CrossFit. CrossFit may be tough. <laughs> Sorry. But, you know, if you do like a, like a stationary bike, you know, do some, some push-ups, lift some weights, you know. Oh, that, then I'm yeah. just worrying about breathing and not having a heart attack. <laughs> Goals. Goals. Stay alive. So... Dr. Smalls, what do you want to ask us or bring to the table? What brings you to the mic? My work, obviously, as you, as you referenced and you well know, um, is the humanities. And it deals with, obviously, English, social studies. And within the humanities, you're always dealing with multiple uh, topics and issues. So I guess I want to focus my, my question, my uh, discussion into how do we go about presenting um, sensitive issues, sometimes controversial issues, in classrooms in a way that's respectful and does not cause division. Um, and the, the most challenging thing about when you're a humanities teacher is that each of us, we have our own political, religious, ideological lens, whatever that may be. We don't leave that at the schoolhouse. When we enter the schoolhouse, that comes with us. It comes into our classroom. So how do we now uh, honor our belief system and also honor and respect the belief system of others and allow the ideas to be exchanged in a way that is truly a dialogue and a, and, and a growth, um, and not some students or any individual walk out feeling that they're being attacked or injured because of their beliefs. Um, and I will uh, constantly, obviously, we're dealing with young people who are still trying to find out their belief system. Um, so how do we balance that in our curriculum, in our the text that we select, and not just the, the mandated text that we have uh, in our department of district, but also as teachers, we have the, uh, the autonomy to bring in text. 
how do we go about selecting those and making a classroom truly a vibrant environment? I know it's a long-winded question, um, but I figured let me lay the foundation to kind of get us started. And I think this is incredibly important, especially in the state of New Jersey. We're we're working with curriculum now with the LGBTQ plus, yes. and we're integrating that into our curriculum, and we have mm-hmm. to make sure we're doing it uh, from K through twelve, and and make sure we're doing it right. And from what I'm hearing throughout the state, there are many places where parents are up in arms because oh, I don't want my student, my son, daughter learning about this, and they're not understanding how important it is to learn about the contributions, not the idea of. You know, so I think this is a really big topic right now in our, especially our state, but definitely across the country. And there are many ways that we can tackle this. And it's something I've been trying to work on, especially when I was in middle school, like dealing with middle school and dealing with politics, uh, especially now with this impeachment trial going on. And I've been kind of collecting a lot of resources. And there are some ways. I know iCivics.org has some great resources for teaching about the impeachment process. Again, I think it's understanding first and foremost what the what the thing actually is. I think another thing to keep in mind is creating a safe space mm-hmm. and making sure that you've built that trust before you have those big conversations. So whatever trust looks like in your classroom, establishing a rapport, establishing norms, you know, really reiterating that the things we talk about here, if they need to stay here, they stay here, but that no idea is unwelcome, but that we're going to talk through differences and I really think norm is, norm establishing and and trust establishing and relationship building are really key. I think the other thing is to really honor everyone's ideas and bring in student choice. So like those things that are on their minds are definitely the things that we should be talking about as well. I think the other thing we need to keep in mind too is that like you said when you prefaced it, they're not fully formed in all of their ideas and thoughts um, and a lot of it probably comes from the kitchen table. And, and they're, they're echoing what they hear at home. And, you know, we have to honor that as well and just kind of present both sides in an almost, it's unnatural and it's, it's not always easy, but in an unbiased way, just making sure that both sides have balance. As a social studies teacher and AJ, you know, you, you taught social studies too. Recently in my room, we were talking about leadership. I had my students, you know, write on the board, you know, and think of what are the qualities a good leader possesses? So that's where we started our discussion. And then the conversation went to, well, was Hitler a good leader? And then we were debating, well, does Trump embody these qualities? Did Barack Obama embody these qualities? I remember asking my ninth graders, is Donald Trump a good leader? And resoundingly, you know, no, 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 and and other such comments. And I said, was Barack Obama a good leader? Yes, 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 yes. I said, well, you know that there are people who support and like it's flipped. So we started to talk about perspective as we judge and look at certain topics it, it's it's subjective. We talked a little bit about, you know, bias and one difficulty that I face and, you know, you, you know, the district, Dr. Small is I teach students that are African-American and Hispanic. I'm a white guy. When they look at me, they don't see somebody who looks like them. It can sometimes be uncomfortable to try and talk about some of these topics as somebody who is not them or has never experienced some of the adversity that some groups of people have faced. So that's something that I deal with. I don't know that I struggle with it, but it's something that I am aware of. One of the things that I think as we talk about this balance of, of presenting ideas is that oftentimes we paint a broad brush. You know, this person is Latino, this person is Caucasian, this person is African-American. But within that, those broad brushes, there's so many different subcultures. You know, so all Caucasian men are not the same or all Latinos are not the same, right? They may speak Spanish, but within, you know, there's a difference between Dominicans, Puerto Ricans, and Mexicans, Peruvians, Argentinians, et cetera, right? And I think... 
that's the, the, the ch- ongoing challenge that we have. I'm giving a special shout out to the state of New Jersey. And we, this is a very progressive state. It's an expensive state to live in. We complain about our taxes, which is high. Uh, we lead this, uh, the country with gas price now, property taxes, the, the list goes on. But the one thing that we don't talk enough about as a state is that two months ago, we were ranked um, as the number one public school system. We haven't been worse than third over the last 15 years. Over the last six or seven years, we're either number, we keep fighting with Massachusetts number one or two. And, and I'm, I'm not sure why people don't acknowledge that. And so I want to make sure this, this podcast stresses that because we have some powerful educators in New Jersey. I preface that because I also want to highlight we're the only state in the union where you have an Amistad mandate to teach about slavery and African countries from African American history. As I mentioned, the um, LGBTQ uh, mandate that's officially effective January 1, 2020. Um, in our district, we're starting doing some of that work already. Um, we have the Holocaust mandate. Um, so there are some states that are doing some of these things, but none of them are doing all of those things like New Jersey. So we are the state to look at. So when you have these powerful mandates on paper, how do you balance th- those ideas? It's, 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 there's never, ever an easy process. But the number one thing I would say is that we have to do, when I say we, the adults, have to do some self-inventory and reflection. Myself included. I'm, I'm no different from anyone else. What are my biases? Um, what are my comfort levels? And how does that impact my ability to teach, um, to lead my department? Um, am I listening to all the ideas from members of my department? Um, if I am uncomfortable talking about slavery or the Holocaust or LGBTQ issues, whatever it may be, what resources and professional development am I providing? And it's not just about sending an, an email with a nice article. Um, and those things are nice too, but this work is constant. It's, it's, it's constantly evolving. Constantly, uh, we have, constantly have to be reflective because what worked for your first period class may not work for your third period class, as, as you all know, right? So the resources have to be interchangeable. So I think um, that's the, the one thing that we have to keep, keep, uh, keep going. I think the other thing to be mindful of, I mean, you guys all come from a high school, middle school perspective. And I think one of the things to keep in mind is it doesn't look the same, not only from district to district, like you were talking about, or classroom to classroom or period to period, but grade level to grade level. It changes a lot, too. And just making sure that I think I think where sometimes teachers get very uncomfortable and I speak for myself in this as well. Um, you know, you don't want to cross boundaries with littles that their parents haven't necessarily set up. And so I think one of the things there is just to make sure you're having open conversation and communication with the parents about what's happening in your classroom. It is the best first defense. Um, it's, it's a really great offense, actually, to make sure that you're setting them up with the information about some of those tougher topics that you might be tackling and, um, you know, really inviting them to be part of the conversation and offering their points of view. Um, I work in a district where we have a very high Asian population and those perspectives are, are different than what I grew up as, you know, as a Puerto Rican person who doesn't even speak Spanish. So you were talking about that too. I was like, I don't even speak Spanish. So, um, you know, what does that look like? And, you know, just recognizing that parents are part of that conversation, especially, especially when they're young. Someone who's raised two boys, you know, you definitely want to make sure that parents are involved. I think also it becomes on us that we become the facilitator. We are not, you know, we are not sharing our bias. And as hard as it is sometimes to kind of hold in how we feel, I think if we can spark the conversation and show both sides of the story. You know, as socialized teachers, we always stress primary, secondary sources, Absolutely. show the evidence mm-hmm. for both sides. And I think that really 
A lot of devil's advocate. Because <laughs> you, 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 can't, you can't show your cards. And it's unfortunate to say that. And some teachers may do that. And that's okay where they are. But for other teachers, they don't feel that comfortable if they're not. Do you have that mandate from your district? That is literally a mandate from our district. Like every November or at the end of October, we get that letter from HR. It's like, as we enter this political season, keep in mind that, and it's like this, it's, it's you know, your standard form letter that's like, your views are not welcome here, which I'm fine with because I don't want to share them because I didn't even share them with my boys until very recently, you know, my political leaning and they're in middle school and high school now. So, yeah, we don't have an official mandate per se, but the one thing I, I always kind of consciously, unconsciously stress, stress to the department is that our role is not to proselytize, right? So we're not trying to convert students to our belief systems, right? As, as AJ mentioned, it's really about providing the opportunity for them to be able to see multiple viewpoints. I think the greatest compliment that any student can give a teacher, especially within the humanities, is that I enjoyed your class so much. I learned so much from your class. I was able to stretch beyond my wildest imaginations. And it's now June. And the reality is, you know what? I really don't know where you stand politically or your religious ideologies. I really don't know. I, have a, I have, may have a sense, but that didn't play into my, my experience in your class. Yeah, and, and the idea of not... Uh, what, what, pro- Proselytizing. Proselytizing. <laughs> um, but not to fill them with ideas, but show them how they can develop their point of view and their perspective. And again, in, in my room, I talk about like growth mindset, being open-minded and uh, being open to all viewpoints. Dr. Small, how can people connect with you who want to learn more from you? Let me give you my, um, my Twitter. It's uh, Dr. Small Educator. Connect with me that way. I'd love to share ideas. I'd love, love to hear what other people are doing. Because I think, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give another shout out. I want to give a shout out to New Brunswick Public Schools. I think we are doing some amazing work. Do I have a second on that? Do you yeah, go ahead. Me? No, I said, do you second that? My, oh, my, oh. You're supposed to say <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, yes, I believe it. Because um, I, I do it every right. day. I think we're doing some amazing work. We're doing some progressive work. Um, and I think um, I'd love to see what other people are doing to see what they're doing, how they attack the, address these issues. And, we, you know, we certainly would share what we're doing as well. So looking forward to it. And, and this has been, I've never been, like I said, I've never been a guest on a podcast before or a podcast live. So I'm, well, it's, it's based on what you shared, we might have to go into a full length episode we about the topic. Yeah. Yeah. I think we might have to dig a little deeper. I expect a haircut next time too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Dr. Thank Smalls. So we're going to be moving on. We do have the opportunity here from our live participants. Anybody who wants to come up and, you know, throw out something they're learning, want to ask us about. This is great looking at people that's like, I don't want to talk right now. <laughs> Stacey does it every Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> so stepping up to the, the microphone now is another colleague of mine here from New Brunswick High School. This is Mr. Mark Snow. What's up, Mr. Snow? I figured a good topic would be, so you guys are doing this PD outside of school, outside of the capacity of the building, right? In my classroom... I find a lot of difficulties uh, teaching what I teach. So I started off as a shop teacher, right? I know it tends to be a derogatory term, right? Just a shop teacher. Um, So now I've been doing a lot of computer science, trying to get my kids to do um, some web development and actually getting them into networking and cybersecurity, which sounds great. Those are all awesome key terms, right? Uh, Those are hot topics we can use. Um, You can actually look up through the Bureau of Labor and Statistics and look up all the wonderful... You know, things about the job growth, you know, being well over 30 percent, you know, the median in the country being six figures, all of this great stuff. Um, You can do this with, you know, a 
associate's degree, with a bachelor's, right? This is all wonderful stuff. We have these conversations. And then we break down to the logistics. So now how can I teach and innovate, right? Um, Yet we are in a tightly controlled environment. So just like you said, okay, I'm going to expand outside and do other things. Uh, My question really is, um, how do you balance that? How do you handle that? I didn't throw you a softball. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> that's okay. Cause I think, I think that's good for everybody. Cause I think I don't, I don't have a direct answer for that. That's very hard, but hopefully we can kind of hash that right here. Crash, burn and learn, right? Crash, burn and learn. There Let's you go. It. Part of me struggles to understand the, the exact question. All right. So the exact question. Okay. So let's clarify. I, I can use something extremely specific. Okay. So I'm going to pick something that I'm working on right now. Okay. Cybersecurity. Um, so I'm working on cybersecurity curriculum um, that requires my students to learn Linux-based skills. Okay, so you can do things like uh, create a virtual environment on a computer that is separate, where you're not going to touch anything. Um, however, if uh, somebody walks in the room um, and they see black screen, green text, uh, typically there is mass panic, and then oh my god, kids are hacking. Stop, 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 stop. Um, what are you doing? Um, and then you explain to them, you go back to what I said in the beginning, and then you, you pull out all the you know information from Bureau of Labor Statistics, colleges. Oh, yeah, that's great. That's exactly what we want. Okay, I'm going to do it. You start doing it. Oh, my God, no, you can't do that. Um, so so do, you, do you get where I'm coming from? Where is the resistance coming from? Like when that person comes, you don't need to name names, but like, is well, that no, an administrator? In, is that? Well, I actually, it's funny because we're at Ed Camp. I just ran another session on cybersecurity and everybody in the room said the same thing. Uh, it comes directly from any tech or administration in every district uh, to the point where, so now what I just decided to do is just do it outside of school. So I'll just start my own school after school program. I will build it myself remove the restrictions, and then what I'll do is I will show them uh, what to do, how to do it, what it should look like, and then bring it in. But that seems like an awfully long road (laughs) to get to uh, a simple endpoint. So these are the skills. I mean, you can go, um, you look at uh, even through the CIA, National Cyber Watch, things that our own uh, government are telling us that we need to be teaching kids. Um, But somehow we know we need to give certain skills but there is so much ignorance within the school system itself to skills, particularly future skills, um, and people just are scared. So are you the sole creator of your curriculum? or the, There is so much curriculum out there. Um, in your district, though, are oh, you? In my district? Uh, right now, there is no curriculum. Um, we have computer science curriculum, and we have projects that we can expand upon. Um, so what I want to do is be able to actually develop something. Um, so we have things like Cisco curriculum you have. Um, you have things like the, um, like I said, National Cyber Watch. And then you even have the Air Force Cyber Patriot programs, which are meant down to middle schoolers. Um, so we have Hour of Code coming. Yes, code.org, right? We all, we all get behind that. Everyone likes that because it's simple. It's easy. There's colorful pictures. There's drag and drop. And we can say that we're doing these concepts at a very, very basic cursory level. Um, I, I gave this, it's funny, I have a, I have a kindergartner, third grader. So as I'm developing stuff for the outside programs, um, I give it to my kindergartner 
and she's going through and doing it. She's not a gifted at all. She um, is actually a classified student as a kindergartner, um, and she is doing stuff that I am seeing schools give fifth, sixth, seventh graders. And then everyone still wants to feel good and say that we're doing this great stuff, but when we're really not. And it's really just everybody just wants to say that we're doing great stuff. And so how do we have that difficult conversation and say, okay, so what are we actually doing? What are we actually teaching? And how, how do we move forward? I think it starts with educating the people who need to be educated beyond your students, right? So right. like the, the adults in and outside of the room. So your IT department, I imagine, right. like their amygdala just kind of goes nuts and their prefrontal cortex, like they're freaking out because you're poking holes in security that they've created to keep everyone safe. Right. Right. And you're looking for well, that well, kind no, of stuff. Well, no, 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 no. You're not actually touching anything. All, okay. you're, all you're doing is... Um, is that their perception? Yeah, so that's the perception. So is, I think that then that, that's where the education comes in. You need to have those conversations with your supervisor, your building supervisor, like your content area supervisor, your building supervisor, and I think your IT department and kind of... Well, it's not It's not specific to my district is what I'm saying. It is systematic. But I think those conversations need to be held right. so that everyone's aware. If we look at just what you're talking about with like tech and some of those topics within technology... You you would think that like a district's technology team would be a great resource to come in, mm-hmm. and th- they had to go through training and learn all the stuff that, like the high school kids are at the beginning of the journey they're way into. Mm-hmm. So, I would almost say districts should be bringing their tech people in to As support experts. technology teachers like yourself. Oh right, yeah. To lead lessons and maybe show them some back end stuff or bring in some of that coursework or bring people in and say. Hey, it's, we're not just going to learn cybersecurity from a book. We're going to we're going to show you the back end of what we do here, say in a school or a district, and you know that that'll really that's authentic for kids, right? Um, not only that, I mean, so imagine that you have kids. So we can train kids to do. So we have our where we have our tech team, right? So um, we can train kids to actually do all of that work as part of our curriculum. So I mean, it, it starts from even simple stuff. So like uh, what you would call like A plus level stuff in terms of connecting printers, you know, doing all the basic level hardware things all the way up through. I mean, we, we could actually have kids designing full network spaces in labs. So they have virtualization software they have and all of this. But my point is to try not to be too specific in one tiny case. It really came out of the last conversation I had with the other, you know, especially the, the tech educators of the general uh, fear and ignorance in education as a whole towards like that specific, especially the, the tech topic seems to be the scariest thing because everyone carries around incredibly, po- incredibly powerful technology on them, yet almost nobody truly understands how it works. And yet all we know is we hear news articles saying, Google got hacked. Now I have someone has my camera. Is it, is it what? Oh my God. Then you have the political climate and then you have, oh my God, was it China or Russia now? And people just start saying tweets and news clips you know what I mean? At random, it seems. And there's a lot of education that has to happen in education. Um, so at what point do we say, okay, are these topics just something that we can't teach at all? Um, is it something that we have to develop and show um, the, the system how to teach? So just do it outside. There's plenty of outside companies that, that become very successful just by running these simple programs 
um, outside of the restrictions of that strict bureaucratic structure. Um, but then again, that that's really unfair. I we were you know in the, if you work in a district where um, the children can't afford those extra resources, so let's say you can't afford to send your kid to a, to a twelve hundred dollar class to learn um, a basic um, even you know digital literacy skills, or you want them to go into any sort of even tech curriculum. So now you, you so then your your child your student now can't do that. Isn't that limiting? It, it is limiting, but but I think if we go back to some of what we started with, I, I think as educators, we need to sometimes you have to take a risk, and you know if if you believe it's good for students and they're going to benefit from it, then present it to your students. I, I mean, I'm not typically a fan of ask for forgiveness instead of permission, but sometimes you just have to maybe go with it, and then put the software in front of them or, you know, teach that dynamic lesson or talk about that current event or maybe try and expose them to, you know, an author or a style of writing. Sometimes you just have to take a chance. Yeah. So is there any need to educate the educators? Yeah. So what other other topics? So tech is an obvious one, but aren't there other areas where that's happening as well, where there's things that are misunderstood that are really important that need to be taught? I think what Dr. Small brought up earlier, some of some of the more sensitive topics like LGBTQ, like that was really a hot button issue at the middle school where I was last year and the year before with, as they were introducing part of those units of study in the ELA classroom and just the misunderstandings that if you're teaching that, are you are you necessarily embracing it? And then if it goes against your your own ideology, how do you how do you teach that? Right. So, I again, it's educating the educator and understanding that talking about things isn't necessarily endorsing the topic. Right. And it's being balanced. Right. We're not telling your kids to be hackers. You're teaching them. The, yeah. The yeah. Things well, we, that they, we can't. We, we uh, that, that's a that's that's a naughty word. We don't we don't use that word anymore because. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We, that, that That's, you know, hack is a four letter word. Coming yeah. from, right. <laughs> like you're not you're not teaching them with the idea that they're going to go out and be nefarious in their endeavors, but you're teaching them so that they can improve the world. And that's really where all education comes from. It's enlightenment and it's improvement. Yeah. 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 I mean, so like you take a, a, a cooking class and you show some kids how to use knives and the kids are walking around with knives in schools. So it, it, we, we got to a point with that where we don't have people walking into a classroom and seeing knives and say, Oh my God, the kids are stabbing each other. Uh, or, or a science classroom that's got a Bunsen burner and natural yeah. gas, you know. Yeah, and, and a gas line right here that you could <laughs> – I'm not going to give any ideas. <laughs> but it really is about using the tools and giving them the education that they need to use those tools the right way. Yeah, and especially when uh, the tools are free. And and you have – like I said, the, the stuff is coming directly from um, directly from our government. I mean a lot of the stuff is coming you know, out from – um, right around Bethesda, Maryland, you know, the headquarters, CIA, all that kind of stuff. You know, there's a big push uh, to try to get everybody uh, up on board and try to get everything running. So I figured I'd, you know, you were asking for people to come in. And uh, I think this is a great topic. And I think that it speaks also, like I said, to what Dr. Small was saying, like, how do you teach outside of the box? Like, how do you bring in those things that how do you have those difficult conversations Right. And, and it, you're having difficult conversations, not with your kids, because they're there to learn those things. But you're, right. you need to have those difficult conversations with your administrators, yeah, with the adults, with the adults. Yeah. But I think that even even when you go back to what Dr. Small was saying, those are difficult adult conversations as well. Absolutely. Depending on your district. So 
my, my, my philosophy is invite people into your classroom. I love to send out emails, inviting supervisors, assistant superintendents, superintendents, come in, interact with my students, see what they're doing. Create the understanding right. for them. And then it's one of the other issues that I saw that was, was okay, I, I know I can do that, right? Um, when I was having my other conversations with the other teachers, they would just say, oh, it's, I just get shut down. And that's coming from districts all over, which is kind of sad. And that, that just makes me sad that we're, that we're shutting teachers down. Um, we're taking away opportunities from children uh, just mainly because of adult misunderstandings. And so I don't know. I think that it would be nice to have a good platform to try to promote that. And I think that there's a lot of people doing a lot of great work doing that. I just want to see that stuff continue. So Tracy is recommending from the audience that you should start a podcast. But then if you think there's misinformation overall, how do you get that right information out? So do you have a podcast where you share really what it's all about or a blog or something for the greater good? So you kind of have to work on it on both levels. Make it work in yours and then also make it work globally. Because movements don't happen all at once, right? They start small, and so you you seem to be the beginning of the movement, but you got to show that it works. All right, so then I'll be bugging uh, you guys. All right. <laughs> That's what we're, anytime you want to come down here, the, the equipment's always here. All right. This is an awesome setup. All right. Mark, how can people connect with you after listening to this? After listening to this, um, you can connect with Mr. Nessie, who's going to be setting me up with a podcast, I guess. <laughs> Uh, may, may, maybe we'll call it hack is not a four-letter word. How's that sound? Ooh. Ooh. Oh. All right. Brilliant. Pulled that one out of his back pocket, by the way. Just saying. Do you have a Twitter handle, this. Mark, where people can find you? Um, I should be more active on those. <laughs> well, when you start your podcast. Reach out to me and I will to, that, get you in here. touch with Nessie, Mr. Mark Snow. Yeah, and Nessie is going to show me how to social media better. All right? Awesome. There you go. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us, Mark. All really right. appreciate yep. it. Thank you. All right. So in the interest of time, we will come back in another recording with our recommendations and other such things to close out this episode of Podcast PD. We want to thank everybody who joined us here in the live audience. So thank you guys for coming out. And let's send it back to Chris, Stacey, and AJ in their studios. Hello, gentlemen. Welcome back to the recording studios, the three recording studios of Podcast PD. What are you talking about? We're all in the same place at the same time. We were all in the same place at the same time. Now we're in our normal recording situations. How's everybody doing? Doing well. Good to be uh, back home after Ed Camp, New Jersey. It was a successful day and uh, here we are. We had a lot of fun recording what we just let everybody listen to. We did have fun recording. It was really great meeting um, some of your colleagues, Chris, and then um, talking to Sandy is always a treat. So it's nice to see everybody at at camp. It's one of my highlights of the year. It's like it's like education Christmas or something. Yeah, that was definitely a different experience. I I enjoyed that. I'm glad we got to do something like that. Hopefully we can do it again next year at EdCamp 2020. Oh, is that what it's going to be called? The EdCamp of the future. We'll get, we'll get Barbara Walters to come and uh, kick things off. Baba Wawa. I'm Baba Walters. This is EdCamp 2020. Boy. <laughs> awesome. um, I've always wanted to have six young women around the table <laughs> sharing their views. I love the view. It's so good. Anyway. Hopefully that'll be on the chopping block for. Yes. Probably not. Yeah. Nope. It'll be at the end or something. Who knows? Yeah. 
Um, so anyway, so we're back here in our respective studios and we're going to finish off this episode number 61 of podcast PD. We hope you enjoyed it again. And actually I'll throw in real quick. What I did like about recording with you guys in the same place was that live element. I thought that was really neat. And that was kind of the closest that we've come in a long time to it being like, like radio and, you know, taking calls like we used to do, you know, back on blab and have people, (laughs) you know, join us and, and, and chat with us. So it was nice to not know what was coming and get the chance to talk about some topics. So, so it was a lot of fun. Blab. Oh, I remember those days. R.I.P. Blab. <laughs> that was fun times. All right. Speaking of fun times. So what are we listening to? What are we learning? I've been trying to make recommendations that I thought were meaningful. And uh, since we have an announcement coming up about the uh, end of the year and something we do usually. This is a very hard decision because I've been listening to so many podcasts. I want to make sure I had a good recommendation. So I'm, I'm going to go the leadership route for this one. I'm going to recommend the Guiding Principles podcast. Uh, this is something that I came across uh, actually listening uh, to the podcast with um, Dan Bauer. So when I was listening to Dan Bauer's podcast, uh, Better Schools, Better Leaders, this, this, meant, this was mentioned. And I was like, you know what? I'll, I'll give this a whirl. I'll give it a try. So... Basically, the Guiding Principles podcast focuses on the work of visionary educational leaders and with the goal to leave us, the listeners, inspired and uh, working to import new ideas and strategies uh, so we can expand our leadership toolbox. And the, I've been going through the episodes lately, and the most recent one was one that I really liked, and that's episode number 20 called The Revolution with uh, Derek McCoy. And uh, Derek McCoy is a guy I've been following for a while and a guy I met at a conference in New Jersey a couple of years back. Great guy, real nice guy. He's a middle school principal uh, or assistant principal now. And he uh, wrote the book called The Revolution, which is really focused on using uh, digital tools in the classroom and as a, as a leader. So listening to him and hearing his words about what his vision was for schools, it was really, it was really amazing to me. Like I said, I've been following Derek. His words are great. Um, he puts out some really fantastic content. I, listening to him, I, I, I seriously wish I could be in the room with him because he just seems like such a guy who's a positive leader and, and a gentleman who's looking to make some tremendous change. And just listening to his voice and, and his passion, I think anybody would follow him very easily. So if you are interested in this leadership, if you are looking at uh, the book, The Revolution with Derek McCoy, I would say is a good place to start. So you get understanding of who Derek is and a little bit more of an understanding about what his goal with the book, The Revolution, is. Again, it seems like a great read, so I might jump out on the book at some point, but I think the podcast was a really fantastic starting point to understand what he was trying to accomplish with The Revolution. I mean, that sounds great. I think maybe uh, if you're if you're into the book, maybe it's something that we do over the summer as a book club option. We expand our podcast PD listening to a reading book club and see what happens. We're always looking to do more, so that could be a good possibility. I like it. That sounds like a solid recommendation. And AJ, if I'm correct, this is found at beyondthedeskleadership.com? Yes, that is where he hosts uh, his websites. Uh, his websites, I'm sorry, that is his website where he hosts his podcast. Absolutely. Okay, cool. So, that, so that'll be in the show notes at podcastpt.com slash 61. Stacy, do you mind if I go next? No, go ahead. All right, so... Here we go, Chris, making a recommendation. Guess what? Surprise. No surprise. Uh, it comes from The Art of Manliness. I can't get enough 
of this podcast. And I'm, I guess I'm just in a groove making sure I do listen to it because I'm finding a lot of value in what's being shared. So I recently listened to episode 561, which is called Get With The Program. And this doesn't happen too often, but this is an episode that I've already listened to twice in its entirety because it really resonated with me. And I, you know, started on Overcast and, you know, didn't let it finish. So it deleted. So I rewound it. I've listened to it twice. And there may be a third time because I really found a lot of value in what was shared. So the guest on the episode is an ex-Marine and special operator in the military. And the gentleman's name is Eric. I'm not going to try to say his last name, but it starts with a K. And he is the founder of a team and leadership development company called The Program. And he's the co-author of a book by the same name, The Program. And in this episode, uh, Brent, the host, and Eric, they break down a number of leadership topics. And the conversation starts with what Eric sees are the biggest problems with teams he's worked with. And he uses a lot of examples from his military experience, as well as him being a father with his own children and tells a couple of great stories about his young son who is maybe eight or nine and is into like wrestling. And they explain the difference between goals and standards and why teams should focus more on instilling standards and holding team members accountable to them. And one thing that really stuck out with me was when he goes to work as a consultant for a company or with a company, I should say, you know, if he walks in, he sees, you know, a mission statement or their core value, their core values are like 14 bullet points. And he makes the point of saying, you know, 14 isn't core, you know, core values is, you know, three things, maybe four. So the example he gave was, you know, if you think of a lot of things they, that happen in threes. So when you think about your core values and what you believe in and what you stand for and what represents you as it pertains to leadership, it should be three solid things. So again, I just found a lot of value in this. So if you haven't started listening to the art of manliness yet because of me, hopefully maybe this would be a great episode to start with. And again, I found tremendous value, not only for what I do as a teacher, but certainly some things that have already started to impact me as a father. And I can see a lot of the concepts, me bringing them into what I do at Rutgers with some of the leadership courses that I teach at that level as well. So Art of Manliness, 561. See, it always sounds like a joke that we're just recommending this, but when you first recommended Art of Manliness, I gave it a shot. You know, I really was digging it. And I could probably sit there and and really listen to like every single episode because first of all, he's a fantastic speaker. And like the way he tells a story and the way he kind of gets his guests to tell a story, it's phenomenal in that regard alone. You know, it's just, I, I... I would love to sit there and listen to every single one, but I feel like I have to bounce around a little bit. <laughs> Otherwise, I won't I won't find anything new. Well, it, it's funny you should say that. So I, I listened to, it, it was this episode? It, it was this episode or another one where the guest, you know, was talking about what they were talking about. And then I did hop over to the 5 a.m. Miracle and Jeff Sanders had the same person on and I got to hear a little bit of a different spin. I, I forget which particular guest that was, but. I, I did hop around, but I heard the same topic in person on two podcasts. That's fun. And I have, you know, I know when you said that you were doing the art of manliness, I was like, again, it really is one of those podcasts that just the variety of topics makes it a hotbed for recommendations. I mean, you could learn as, you know, from 
Emily Post's great grandson or whoever it was about, you know, etiquette in the modern age, all the way to like getting with the program and a couple of other really interesting things that uh, kind of span a very broad spectrum of topics. Oh, and also, you know what, guys, you know, to be honest, I, I look at that podcast. Well, I listen to the podcast and I, I think, you know, that's what I would aspire this show to be. But for educators, you know, that that broad spectrum value based on our conversations or the people that we can bring on to speak with us and to our audience where, you know, maybe one day this is be- this becomes the art of education. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe one day we'll have 564 episodes like Art of Manliness. Hey, Probably have, not, but you never you know. You never know. You never know as long as we keep showing up. It's like going to the gym. I'll lose weight and we'll keep making episodes. There you go. <laughs> Stacy. you have something that the title intrigued me, but I feel like you're about to disappoint me. So please take it away. <laughs> no, no, no. All right. So first of all, I... Um, Admire your ability to listen to shows more than one time. With six, 1,608 episodes to listen to, I do not have that luxury. Um, but my sister and I have a tendency to recommend books to one another. And when I found out that she was a podcast listener, um, she and I started recommending podcasts to one another. And one of the podcasts she recommended to me ages ago was called Gangster Capitalism. And so I binged it this weekend, just trying to get numbers down so that I can start listening to different podcasts and, you know, kind of clearing the queue. It has a relatively short run of about seven episodes. And basically, it chronicles the admission scandal that broke in March or April, you know, back in the spring with some of the celebrities that are a little more high profile, like Lori Loughlin and Felicity Huffman. Yes. And, um, you know, it, it chronicles the the person behind it, um, how he was pretty much the third person that the FBI went to and how he flipped. And his flipping is really what got everybody else in trouble. Um, and so it was, it's the whole series is really well done. Um, it's dramatized in so much that they've taken the transcripts and they've recreated um, through those transcripts, dialogue and conversations, and it's portrayed by actors. There's one authentic audio recording that they have, but um, the episode that I'm really recommending is called Watershed Moment, and the reason I'm recommending it is because it really did have a message that speaks directly to teachers and to parents who put a lot of pressure on their children. And I know I work in a district where there's constantly conversation about those pressures. And, um, my, my son was sharing with, um, my dad this weekend, you know, it was Thanksgiving weekend. So everybody was here and he was sharing that, you know, they don't have midterms and they don't have finals in high school. And like, everyone was gobsmacked. And I was like, no, that's like a growing trend. You know, you're trying to get rid of some of those pressures that exist. And in this episode, this is straight from the website. It says, A singer parent negotiates a deal for her son to have the ACT taken for him without him even being in the same state. And a college admissions insider reveals that the a la carte menu that wealthy parents have when donating to schools, also known as the back door. But as it turns out, paying top dollar for access to admissions offices can start as far back as preschool. This episode looks at 
the legal ways in which parents get their kids into college, no matter how dubious they may seem. And, you know, this particular episode kind of talks about legacy admissions and the pressures there. And, you know, as you read, like, you know, having your son take the ACT without him even being aware, I almost fell over. And um, it's just a really, really well done show. Um, like I said, there are about seven or eight episodes and it's it's a quick, easy listen of about a weekend. And I highly recommend it. All right, definitely something different, a different topic to tackle. So uh, interesting. I mean, we've all heard about the uh, the scandal, so I'm kind of curious where this definitely will go. Not this the is... gangster I was anticipating, yeah, right? but seriously, I would I, I will check it out. You know? Yeah, it, it was it, like I said, it was really interesting. And then they, you know, they do um, they did an updated episode where they start talking about um, some of the sentencing that has come down, and they actually talk about. Um, a woman who went to jail for several months and had to pay a $70,000 fine for saying that her two children lived with her dad when, in in fact, they lived in a different district and wouldn't have qualified to go to the schools that they were attending for a year. And some of these people who have committed some of these crimes, which seem a little, little bigger, um, got like a day in set a day in jail the sentence actually was waived and i think their fine was like fifteen hundred dollars or something ridiculous fifteen thousand or something compared to the seventy thousand that this woman had to pay i don't know so it's, it just talks about some of the inequities and you know i like a good uh good social issue to latch on to stacy always bringing those those different outside the box podcasts that educators yeah. are like what else could we find it's not education, but no, it was fun. That's, that's, that's what I meant. Like, what else can we find? Yeah, I mean, if anybody's listening to just only one type of podcast and one... Like The Art of Manliness. Sorry. No, time out. I listen to... <laughs> do you want to hear me recommend podcasts about <laughs> podcasting? No. There you go. I want people to come to me. Anyway. <laughs> um, no, it, it's good to have that variety. Like, I have my Guilty Pleasure podcasts. Well, give it a listen, Chris. I know you said you were really interested in um, listening to it just based on the title, but give it a listen. Let me know what you think. I guarantee you'll get caught up in it just because it really is like fast moving and it's told in a serial kind of way. Okay. Where it's like, here's this story and can you believe this happened? And then, you know. Yeah. All right. And did you say your number by chance? Yeah, 1608. 1608, my God. It sounds like more than last time. It is more than last time because, you know, some shows release much faster than we I can You might have to do to a, a cleanse in the next episode to really break down what's, what's in your queue and what's worth or not worth it. Why don't we just do this? In 2020, you got to get your number down or up to 2020. And it's got to stay there for the entire time. It's okay. got to stay there. 2020, that's it. If it goes above or beyond, you're in trouble. Oh, that would make me it's nervous. like 400 more podcasts. I think she could do that. <laughs> and here's the thing. I listen to things daily. Like, that's my problem. I listen to shows that are daily releases. And I listen to four or five of those. So it doesn't you gotta, leave you, as... You use Overcast. So you need to set those daily podcasts to only keep the last episode. And if you miss it, you miss it. No, I listen to them daily. I don't miss it. 
That's the thing. But in the off chance you do miss it. Nope, not once ever. Not once ever. All right. Well, okay. So Stacy's the perfect podcast listener. No, only on those shows. Except the other sixteen hundred that she doesn't listen to. Yeah, I was gonna say I've got sixteen other sixteen hundred other shows that kind of uh, say otherwise. So before we go, I just want to say thank you to everyone who joined us live for Podcast PD in literally my classroom. That was super fun, super exciting. You guys enjoyed it, right? Yep, yep. I can't wait to do it again. Yeah. But before we go, we are obviously wrapping up 2019, and that means the 12 days of Podcast PD are coming. From December 25th through January 5th, we will be sharing one podcast recommendation per day. And we'd love to have you be a part of it and contribute. All you need to do is go to podcastpd.com slash feedback to send us audio and tell us the Podcast PD community about an entire podcast or one episode that we should all check out and why. Also, make sure you tell us who you are, your role in education, and how people can connect with you. Please get us your submissions by December 20th, 2019. Chris, this is a really great way for people to uh, queue up their podcast or podcast players for some good listening over any kind of winter break that they may have. So get your recommendations to us. You don't want another recommendation from um, Art of Manliness. Yeah, there you go. If you don't want to hear from me, then we need to hear from you. And on that note, gentlemen, it is time to say goodbye. Say goodbye, Christopher. Goodbye, Christopher. Say goodbye, AJ. Goodbye, AJ. Goodbye, Podcast PD. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Podcast PD. For links to all of the resources mentioned in this and every episode, please visit our website, podcastpd.com. You can connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at AJBianco. And I also blog at AJBianco.me. You can connect with me on Twitter. I am Mr. Nessie, and I would love it if you also checked out the House of EdTech podcast over on chrisnessie.com. You can connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at irontech, and I blog at irontech.me. Connect with Podcast PD on Twitter and Instagram at Podcast PD. We would also love to have you as a member of our Facebook community. Go to podcastpd.com slash Facebook to join. You can help us reach more educators like you by telling someone else about the podcast. So share us with a colleague. And if you do it on social media, please make sure to tag us.